What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine, your neighborly normal guy who happens to have a lazy eye here chatting with someone to me who has a way more interesting story than myself. Today is no exception to that rule. We have an incredible interview with the one and only Jake Marsh of Barstool Sports. Now, March is a very special time of year for a couple of reasons. One, uh, the weather is changing here in New England, it, whether it is a single degree by the day or sometimes like like we're recording this on a Tuesday night, it was 57 degrees. People were like almost ready to jump outside with shorts on, but we're almost there. Spring is almost here, but more importantly, it's March Madness time. And if as a sports fan, I think we can all remember uh, March Madness was really like the first thing that was stripped away at the at the blink of an eye when covid first started back in march of 2020 now obviously more important things happened than than march madness but as a sports fan that was like whoa nothing like that has ever happened and obviously nothing like 2020 has ever happened but it's good to see we're getting back to some normalcy here with the march madness tournament coming up selection sunday happening this sunday and i thought of no better guest than Pardon my takes, Jake Marsh. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar, he has really done it all right now at Barstool Sports. He's uh, a regular guest on the Pardon My Take show, number one sports podcast in the country. He started his own podcast along with two other co-hosts called the Barstool Bench Mob. And he's also the play-by-play uh, broadcaster for Stream. So really fun interview with Jake on his kind of entry into Barstool as an intern, now into a full-time position. We talked about the Barstool Fund and how incredible Dave Portnoy's uh, contributions to small businesses out there have, have really changed changed the U.S. here in, the, in hopefully the dog days of COVID. And uh, it was just a really interesting interview. Obviously, as a fan of Barstool for a couple of years now since I found it at Providence, it was, it was definitely an eye-opening experience. So, Without further ado, please enjoy the incredibly talented, funny, and one-of-a-kind Jake Marsh. This is the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast, a true eye-opening experience. Well, I want to welcome on to the podcast a very special guest. He is the sports business reporter for the country's number one sports podcast, Pardon My Take of Barstool Sports, as well as the play-by-play broadcaster for Stool Streams and the co-host of Barstool Benchmob. If you don't know who I'm talking about now, you must be living under a rock. He is Jake Marsh. Jake, thank you so much for coming on, man. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. I'm, I'm doing great, you know. A lot of things happening in our country now, so it's hard to complain when we're we're safe and healthy and hope you're doing the same. Yeah, definitely. So uh, kind of to jump right off the bat, you've been one busy dude the past several months. What's like, have you been taking the time to take a break or what's what's new with you? <laughs> no break, really. But again, hard to complain. It's all good things. Uh, I would say the crossover of NFL and college basketball has been very, has kept me very busy. Again, all fun things. I'm talking about sports all day. Hard right. to complain. Right. Can't emphasize that enough. Uh, but yeah, between when college basketball kicked off on Thanksgiving Eve, uh, with the overlap of the NFL, these last three months have been beyond crazy. Um, but of course, NFL is settling down now. And then you have this seven-week gauntlet to March Madness, which is going to be a lot of fun too. And then things will slow down once we hit April, I think. Right, I, I agree. And then, uh, and then back, back around again we go, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, like you mentioned, we are recording this right in the heart of the college basketball season. We'll certainly get into some more college hoops in a little bit, but I want to get to some more of Jake Marsh. So, you grew up in in South Florida and went on to Syracuse at the Newhouse School of Public Communications. What was life like in the Marsh household growing up, and what kind of sparked that interest for you to get into sports broadcasting? So life in the Marsh household was basically me watching a game in the other room, screaming too loudly, and my siblings, mom and dad, telling me to shut the hell up. (laughs) So I guess it was kind of natural of me just like standing in front of a TV. I, of course, obviously wanted to play sports, be the shortstop for the Yankees. That's always a kid's dream. But once that was not realistic, which is pretty much since day one, uh, (laughs) the, the broadcasting side was very appealing to me uh for a couple of reasons one these guys get 
front row seats at some of the sickest games around the country. Right. Uh, two, you're talking about sports for a living. And um, three, getting the travel seems really cool too. And going to all these different places and venues, uh, being there in person seems like a lot of fun. So that's definitely how it all got started. So I got to ask though, like coming from South Florida, what made you become such a diehard Yankees fan? So my dad is from New York. My mom is from New Jersey. My dad grew up a diehard Yankee fan and he raised me. He really didn't have a favorite team in the other sports. So I just became a South Florida fan for my hometown teams. I still like the Marlins too, but the Yankees are definitely my number one. I love it. I love it. So like when you got interested in, in the sports broadcasting world, did you have some of the the bigger names that you looked up to to get started on this kind of journey that you're on in terms of sports broadcasting? Like who were some of the people that you looked up to in the industry? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there are tons and it's hard to pick a Mount Rushmore, if you right. will, <laughs> just a handful because I respect the work and admire the grind that some of these men and women have put through. Uh, but that's one thing that got me appealed to Syracuse because I look up Mike Tirico in high school, Syracuse, Ian Eagle, right. Syracuse, Marv Albert, Syracuse. So then you realize, all right, something's got to be going on up there. And uh, that was definitely a major factor in me, uh, me picking there. So, yeah. So like, let's talk about that for a second. Cause we had, and this might come off as a silly question, but we had Kaylee Griffin on the show several weeks ago. She's the courtside reporter for the Houston Rockets, Providence college alum. And mm. when I say that, like I'm pointing out the fact that she didn't go to new house. She didn't go to Northwestern kind of those bigger name, you know, call it communications programs. What would you like, what made it so special about Syracuse? And then kind of a follow-up to that, like how do you distinguish yourself in such a distinct pool of talented individuals, kind of like making yourself a, a bigger fish in a big pond? No, for sure. And going to these quote unquote uh, household name, big J schools, what we right. call part of my take, it doesn't guarantee anything in terms sure. of career success. Of course, Syracuse, Northwestern, Mizzou, they're all great. But the smaller schools are awesome, too. One of my close friends, uh, Josh Appel from high school, he won the Jim Nance Award in 2016, uh, which is the uh, collegiate's best college sportscaster. He went to the University of South Florida, had a great program, got to call all these games, travel, do the same thing that I got to do at Syracuse. But at Syracuse, I knew the opportunities that could help me get better. I know everybody would push themselves to get better because at the end of the day, there's two headsets for a game, right? And there's right. still dozens of kids up there who are fighting, not physically fighting, but in a way <laughs> just trying to help themselves get better and help each other get better because we all want to have successful careers. So again, going there, all it, it doesn't guarantee a thing. And mm-hmm. you really do have to work hard. You have to be willing to put the hours in, the grind in, in the WAER, which is the radio station that everybody at Syracuse works at. Um, kind of like pledging in a way your first semester of freshman year, you have to wake up at 5am and go in into the station in the cold when it's snowing or whatever and do yeah. a sports cast. Uh, so oh. it wouldn't go on the air, but you have to write down the script of what happened last night. Oh, the Yankees beat the blue Jays six, two Aaron judge hit a three run Homer and uh, Arlis Chapman recorded the save. Meanwhile, in uh, basketball, uh, Knicks and Nets both won their last game of their homestand, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. So that's what you would do. And that would help train your brain and your body to uh, when you eventually did get cleared to do that on the air by the time you were a junior or senior. So that, that definitely helps you the training process. Yeah. So like, what would you say is the best piece of advice that you've gotten, or maybe like, maybe you want to give to the freshman that is walking to the, the sport, the, the radio station at five o'clock in the morning and three feet of snow at Syracuse. Yeah. So one thing that I believe it was Ian Eagle who told a group of us Syracuse students when I was there was uh, never say no. And his instance was that he, of course, like everybody else, wants to call football and basketball, right? Because of the, yeah. those are the most marquee sports, most popular sports. And then once you, I believe he wants he, to call the, the swim meet uh, down. Exactly. You know. <laughs> so that's, that's what he was saying. He said right. once I believe he was offered to call boxing and right away he said yeah i'll call boxing and then after the executive or whatever asked him to call boxing he told himself wait i know nothing about boxing i better start <laughs> right. learning so right. the reason i said never say no is because you can learn as much about the craft of play-by-play broadcasting uh calling an nfl game as much as calling a high school volleyball match because sure. 
They each teach you your on-camera presence. They each teach you uh, partner chemistry, the ins and outs of play-by-play. So that definitely helped a lot. Uh, so as many sports and reps, I'm a big reps guy at school. People would get on me for loving reps because it, it, it really is the best way to get better. I always, yeah, like, like, what is it? Like, uh, watch one, learn, like, watch one, do one, show one. And, like, yeah, like the reps, and, and it doesn't matter. I agree, like, whether it's broadcasting or sales or whatever, like, just being there to say yes, I think is super important. And I think that's a very a testament to like the success that you've had for sure. And kind of like going off of that, right? Like, you right off of college, you landed a spot. Uh, to call the play-by-play for UVM and be their play-by-play broadcaster for the Catamount men's basketball program. Like having done all the internships that had prepped you for this moment while at Syracuse and maybe even in high school, like, did you still get uh, butterflies doing your first call? 100%. But I will tell you without the student radio experience at Syracuse, I would have absolutely zero clue what I was doing because at Vermont and no disrespect to them, what they do is they give you the equipment. They're like, here, call the game. Right. Set, they don't tell you how to set it up. They right. don't tell you how to structure your pregame, halftime, and postgame show. But luckily, because of Syracuse, I was able to format it in a similar way. So I knew what I was doing in a sense. Uh, but that was an unbelievable experience. I still keep in touch with players and coaches there. I'm rooting for them, watch every game. And I, uh, I am definitely a lifelong catamount fan. And, and we're getting you your honorary degree when you go give the commencement address in a couple of years, right? <laughs> I mean, that'll be up to the higher ups, but I'm not expecting anything. <laughs> I love it. So, but let, you do have quite the highlight reel when it comes to your play-by-play calls from UVM. Do you think there is something special about that division one mid-major basketball scene, whether it is setting up your own equipment, whether you're in the we'll call it the older gym that doesn't look like, uh, you know, the Dunkin' Donuts Center at Providence College, the, what, you know, what have you. Like, what is it about, the, like, the American East that has its charm versus call it the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big East? So there's two things that I think makes Vermont basketball what it is. One, I would say is location because that is – Vermont basketball and Vermont hockey is Vermont sports, right? right? They have a minor league baseball team, the Vermont Lake Monsters, but there's no professional sports team outside of that. And right. UVM is the only D1 school in that state. So the whole state wears green and gold. So right. passion – so location is one thing. Passion is what I would say the other thing is. Because of the fact that there is no pro team, people live and die by every basket. And it's great to see. And you mentioned Patrick Jim. Yes, it may fit uh, – under 4,000 people or whatever, but it sells out every single game. And the environment is so cool. It doesn't matter how many people are there. I think the fact that they sell out and pack the gym, uh, of course, pre COVID and post COVID, it'll be awesome to see that it doesn't matter how many people it is. It's just the passion that people are getting on the refs and everything inside and out of that is just amazing. And the prior success certainly helps too. I always said the smaller gyms are way like obviously way more intimate, but you can, that's where you can get those like bigger call outs or chirps out. Like we at, at Providence, we would go like the swim team would go to the women's volleyball games and like, there would be like 20 people in the crowd. Sure. Because like, it's all the parents and maybe siblings, but like we would be in our speedos slamming kickboards and like calling out each individual player on the opposing team. And like, there was one time where I, I had a chirp so good that she netted the serve right away. Like it's <laughs> that kind of like intimate setting that like, to your point, I think is so great about like that division one mid-major program. Yeah. 100%. And I can't wait after COVID to get back to Patrick Jim, be a fan for once there. That's going to be weird. And maybe call a game again there too. Who knows? Guest appearance. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So what was what would you say was your most memorable moment during your time at UVM? 100%. It was the uh, 2019 uh, America East Championship game. It was at home. So the way that these smaller conferences do it, uh, of course, the, you're from a big East school. They do Madison yeah. Square Garden every year. Right. The America East, they allow the higher seed in the tournament to host each game. And Vermont was fortunate enough to be the one seed in that tournament. So you have the championship game at your home floor against UMBC, a team that beat you at the buzzer the year prior in the championship game. That's what got them into the tournament to beat Virginia. Right. 
So Vermont is looking for revenge. Luckily, I wasn't there for that UMBC game. Um, <laughs> That's why they lost. Would have been hard for now. Would have been heartbreaking, of course. And I like got scared to bring it up to those guys. Right. Um, but my first year there, play UMBC again. UMBC is trying to get back to the tournament. Everybody knows about UMBC because they're the darlings of the tournament year prior. So they're yep. probably rooting for UMBC again. Uh, but Vermont came out of the gate and smoked them, sixty-six to forty-nine. That was amazing on the court afterwards. Like, of course I'm in a suit. I'm not a player or coach. I'm not at every single practice, but I really do feel like, and this is credit to them that I am part of the team and the family that as you spend all these road trips and these team meals with the guys that of course I may not have the basketball gifts that they have, but just the, the human side of it and the relationships and going through all they went through, and just being able to share that and then being nice enough to allow me into their families just was just incredible. Cutting down the net. They let me cut down the net. I saw which, that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which was incredible. Uh, and then going to the selection show with them, the watch party the next day, and then going to Hartford for the tournament to play against Florida state, which was of course from my home state. My right. mother went there. My siblings went there. So they were all talking to me. Oh, Vermont's going to lose blah, blah, blah. So that was an incredible, I'd say those that, that week, it's yeah, something I will never forget anything about. It was it was unbelievable. There's nothing better than being on a college campus. I like coming from a, a you know Providence College and and always being in the in the conversation for the tournament. There's nothing like championship week, and then all everyone getting back for selection show Sunday, and then the tournament watch parties and all that stuff. Like it, there's something special, especially from a school that doesn't have a football team. Yeah, like like UVM would be the same sense. Like where everyone's on basketball and like, we'll, we'll definitely transition to hockey once basketball is done or when basketball is not around, but like, it's, it's like the basketball school for sure. Yeah. And it's such a shame because we were waiting. We were one game away from going back again this uh, last year in 2020 Vermont versus Hartford. And then it got canceled, but yeah, I think Vermont and uh, Providence are both in the hockey East for hockey, I believe. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Conference. Yeah. My buddy conference, (laughs) actually my buddy, Michael, I roomed with him. We both graduated from Syracuse together. I was the voice of basketball and he was the voice of hockey. So, oh, yeah. So that was awesome, awesome how that all worked out. He, he's had me up in his uh, broadcast booth for at Gutterson Fieldhouse for a couple of hockey games. So I know the hockey East is a big deal. Very big deal. And like, I can't imagine calling hockey games. Like I can barely see the puck on the TV or <laughs> yeah. in the stands as a fan. Like I can't even imagine what that, like, like I, like Mark, Mark Emmerich, like that's, that's who I'm thinking of. Right. Mark Ebert, the, the NCAA yeah. guy, yeah. Yeah, like he's like those calls, like the Are oh, you thinking of sorry, you're thinking of Doc Emmerich. Doc Emmerich, that's yes. right. Yes. Mark Emmerich is the president of the NCAA, but oh. yeah, similar name. <laughs> no, no, no relation. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah, like yeah, Doc Emmerich. He like the yeah. way he calls a hockey game is on the like, He just though. retired, but he's one of the best in the biz, too. For sure. For sure. So let's let's talk about let's talk about Barstool for a little bit or a lot of it. But uh what originally turned out from a from a son or an internship has turned into this full-time job like where you're a regular guest on on part of my take you're doing the uh, stool streams play-by-play and now you got your own podcast going like what like take us through that interview process of how you got started with barstool so it kind of is intertwined with uvm at least the timeline's sake so as i as we said two years at uvm after year one um i knew i'd always wanted to go back for year two in 2020 uh, so I had to figure out what to do with my life for the off season, right? College basketball ends in March and there's nothing going on until November. Right. Yeah. So I have six months to do nothing. So I go home to Florida, March, April, May, nothing really happens. I start to get antsy a little bit, sending out a bunch of emails, cold calls, nothing happens. And then, uh, we mentioned earlier how I'm a big Yankee fan. So they were playing in Tampa. So I took the drive, got in the car to drive up to Tampa to go watch them play. I put on part of my take on the drive and then that episode of part of my take was when they said, we're looking for a summer intern. So obviously I didn't have any work going on then. So I right. pull over on the Florida turnpike or highway. <laughs> and I just take my phone, send Hank, the producer for part of my take. Here's my resume. Here's my background broadcaster, blah, blah, blah. I yeah. would love to help as possible. And then a couple of days later, they say, he's, Hank says, can you come in for an interview this day? And I said, sure. And uh, back to what I said about never say no. I said, <laughs> sure, because if I said no, they wouldn't have accepted me. Right. And then uh, ironically enough, I had a trip planned to New York that week to go to the PGA Championship 
at Beth Page Black on Long Island yeah. just to go as a fan for fun. Sure. So it kind of worked out. I had to change my flight by like a day or so to make the interview. And then they asked in the interview, are you local? As in, do I live in New York? And right. I said, yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously I didn't have permanent residence. Luckily I had, I have a cousin who lives in New York City. So I knew I could stay there in the short term until I yeah. found a place. So I told them I was from New York or not from New York. I told him I lived in New York. Um, <laughs> and then during the interview, there's clips of it on YouTube, I believe. But then that's when they realized they saw me coming in a suit, which of course is not a barstool thing. Right. Uh, really, except for me. <laughs> they wanted me be, to become the rival of Darren Ravel, who yeah. follows sports media or on Twitter. You know who Darren Ravel is. He's this, again, I have nothing personal against him, but he's this Hot shot. Hot shot. Yeah. He's a hot shot. Yeah. <laughs> he tweets out random facts and figures, and they just basically wanted to be his rival. So I started that whole summer, summer of 2019. I basically spent the whole summer uh, eating weird food, weird food, and cakes ate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah R.I.P. And uh, <laughs> that's got to come back. I don't know. We'll see. And <laughs> making weird tweets. And that's how I got my foot in the door. Didn't say no to anything they asked. Uh, and then when I went back to UVM year two, they were gracious enough to allow me to stay to work for them remotely. Yeah. Uh, year two of UVM happens March of 2020 uh, basketball season ends short. And then they bring me on full time uh, in April of 2020. And here we are nearly a year later. I love it. I love it. So there, there's obviously some famous clips from Barstool of like internship uh, interviews. Like what was, what was it like sitting in a room with PFT and, and, uh, and Big Cat doing that interview process? It was surreal. But yeah, as I had told you before, uh, not being employed for two months, I just went into it with nothing to lose, right? Because I knew sure. I had a job in October and uh, what's the worst that can happen? That's what I kept telling myself. I just knew, I knew Barstools has a huge platform. I just didn't want to make a fool of myself. Um, and then when they came out with the stool scenes of the compilation of intern interviews that next day or day after, I really wasn't in it much, which I knew was a good thing. Right. Because there's, they're making fun of people in there. And Julie yeah. Football, who I interned with that first summer, she was in it a good amount. And then Big Cat and are making fun of some people in it. But I knew it was low-key not the end of the world that I really wasn't on it. The only thing I was on it for is when I went to shake their hand, Big Cat said I had clammy, sweaty hands. So like, if that's the worst You're thing like, that's going to happen, fine. Sign me up. Right, right, right. I love it. So, like, do you, do you remember your first, uh, your first interaction with, with uh, El Perez, with Dave Portnoy? Yeah, so it was, I think, the Stanley Cup, there was a live stream, the Blues and the Bruins. I just went up to them and said, hey, Dave, my name's Jake. I'm interning with... Uh, Big Cat and PFT this summer. Nice to meet you. So nice to meet you. And that was pretty much it. Mm -hmm. um, and then I didn't really interact with him much that first summer. Uh, but then when I came full time this past year, I've interacted with him a good amount. Uh, I actually, the debut of Stool Streams, which if people don't, uh, aren't familiar with what it is, it's uh, broadcasting. We broadcast Jenga, ping pong, some cornhole in the office and yeah. I'm the play-by-play -play broadcaster. And Dave was actually my broadcast partner for our first broadcast ever. What was August that like? 12th. <laughs> so I didn't have a great relationship with him then. Nothing bad, just right. wasn't just, that close to him. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of a raw interaction, if you will. Uh, but he, I think he was caught off guard by how professional I was taking the Jenga broadcasting, which again <laughs> is good. Um, right. But of course, Dave, is a very polarizing figure. Uh, some people love him. Some people hate him. Hard to hate him right now with what he's doing with the Barstool Fund. But, but uh, some people still figure out a way to do it, right? Of course. But those it's, people, I mean, it's not even worth wasting your energy because it's impossible to uh, to get them to persuade them that he's a good person too. Um, but yeah, everything everything good with him. And I'm very fortunate. Yeah, like I'll, what I have to say about Dave Portnoy, and I'll keep this brief, is like my cousin owns the oldest family-run bar out in New York City called Peter McManus Cafe, and I highly recommend you go check it out. They have the best burger in town. Mm -hmm. uh, that you know, his wife, my cousin, is uh, a Broadway performer as well. So that's, in the midst of all this, that's it's tough just, timing. Yeah, it's just been the absolute worst, and like. I was so when I got the news that, or when I saw the news that um, the Barstool Fund was helping out Peter McManus Cafe. Oh I wow! Just, I didn't, oh, yeah, I was just over the moon, and like, it, like, I, it's not even affecting me personally, but like, th that's my family, and I was just like, 
so over the moon. And then like, how do you hate a guy who's doing something like that? You know? So that's my Dave Portnoy story. And I kept it brief, but like, I guess we'll get back to this. Like when did, so was it when you got to the full-time offer, like, was it a no brainer for you? Like, obviously the kind of the theme of this episode has been like, don't say no, but like, obviously it kind of steered away from that traditional track of broadcasting, call it, you know, traditional sports, right? Not Jenga and ping pong. Like what was the, the decision? Was it pretty easy for you? Or was there a little bit of like, I don't know if this is going to be the perfect fit? No, hundred percent. And that's something that I still think about every day, but I don't think me taking this barstool job full time means no more. F- I can't get back on track to football and basketball right. one day, you know, because there's, there's a few ways to look at it. One, I'm still only two and a half years out of college, right? I'm 25 years old. I still have knock on wood at a 50 year career ahead of me in broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's to say one day, maybe Barstool gets football or basketball rights. Of course they have boxing right now with rough and rowdy. Yeah. Maybe one day they, something happens on the football or basketball side. I know, uh, Dave said a few things about maybe owning the Bills, getting the Bills stadium rights, which I guess didn't happen, or Big Cat wants a bowl game one yeah. day. Who knows? I'm not counting it out yet. No, I'm yeah. not. <laughs> never count them out. <laughs> no, for sure. So that would obviously be a dream with everything lining up. Um, but I, my, my long-term goal, still, real, my heart still is with play, play-by-play of football mm-hmm. and basketball. My, I'd say the peak of my career would be a call a Super Bowl or Final Four one day. Right. And that would be tremendous. Um, and they know I, I've talked to Big Cat and PFT that they know that uh, I am passionate about calling games and whatnot. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I don't think, um, again, me calling Jenga and ping pong, it really does help. It still keeps me fresh with the on camera and open working with graphics teams and replays and tossing the interviews. Sure. So it really is keeping me loose. So that's one thing that was definitely appealing. The fact that I could still do maybe unconventional but still call sports on camera put on a headset twice a week was awesome and I'm, I'm honored that hank who created soul streams uh asked for me to do that i love it i love it so uh, can we talk about part of my take for just a second i think the listeners of of the podcast you know take for granted the amount of work and prep that goes into each episode for a show like part of my take or any podcast for that matter but like what is a typical day or night, the day of the, like the night you're going to record an episode? So there's two ways I'd break it up. So for those who don't listen to part of my take comes out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, which means we record Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. Yeah. Uh, the two ways I would break it up is football season and football off season, because it's two totally different schedules. Football off season, as I mentioned during the beginning of the show is tiring. The hours yeah. are much longer. The nights are much later. Um, because for example, on Sunday, on Sundays, we'll go into the office, red zone will kick off at 1 PM. And then we're not recording the podcast until 1130, 12 o'clock when Sunday night football is over, you're done at 1:32. That's a 12, 13 hour day. Uh, it's draining, but you're watching and talking about football. So again, right. hard to complain. Yeah. Um, so that's usually what it's like in the fall. And we're just starting to wrap up from that. Now, a couple more weeks of football here. So those are long. And then the football off season, um, Again, not we don't have to record as late, but there's still a lot going on. And that's when things, I guess, not get off the rails, but wilder things can happen during non-football season because football, it becomes football, NFL football is their number one priority, which is hard to argue that because it's the most popular sports league in the world. Right. And everyone would agree with that. And people love their fastest two minutes, which they do a great job of. <laughs> they spend hours throwing out jokes and seeing what sticks that's during football season. Uh, but right. after that there's Mount Rushmore season in the summer, which people love. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely a unique experience. Um, but with the end of football season here, things will probably start to change up a little bit. Yeah, I was, you kind of touched on it, but like, I was going to say that that off season is pretty drastic and call it the dog, the, the dog days of summer and like, you know, like really July and August, whether it's, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons, you had the sports biz minute going on to, to right. kind of rival Darren Ravel and, you know, like whether it was coach Doug's, like the creativeness is what I think gets people to come back to part of my take and not just listen to it for 20 weeks out of the year when they're going to talk about football. And like, that's like, do you think it's a little bit more difficult to kind of prep for those episodes 
as opposed to you know exactly what you're going to talk about on a Monday episode on week five of football, you know, versus I have no idea what we're going to talk about on July 17th of random Wednesday in the summer. No, for sure. And I mean, with football in the summer, obviously this 2020 aside, you still have baseball. You yeah. have this league, what we call NBA <laughs> offseason with all the drama, the petty drama and Mount Rushmore season. And then football season starts to even the preseason. They have we'll have coaches come in uh, the office. But what they did in March, April and May, I wasn't even in New York. I was in Florida, still remote. It was incredible. They had Tim Woods, the Dungeons and Dragons dungeon master come on for a unique setting. <laughs> uh, Coach Doug's, of course, playing video games every night and hundreds of thousands of people watching. What they were able to drum up was, was remarkable. And I really can't take credit for either of those things because that was their idea. But it just shows how creative and on the fly those two guys and Hank and Liam, the producers, are. For sure. For sure. So I, I think we could have this conversation all day. I mean, we could do a whole different episode on the kind of the culture of Barstool with different people in and out of the organization as people have their own views of it. But like from your time at Barstool Sports, what has been the most eye-opening aspect for you seeing this media giant from the inside? I think the fact that there really is no checklist or to-do list for any employee. Dave and Erica, Erica Nardini, the CEO, yep. what they do is they basically say, here's the platform, go make something happen, right? Like in my, in my job description, there isn't do this, do that, do that. It's just right. content, on-air personality or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So it's up to me to brainstorm and work with other people and producers to put out good content that people will like. Uh, so that's definitely something that stuck out to me from the beginning, because I'm sure at other sports media companies, there are to-do lists such as anchor this show, yeah. spend time on this show, make picks on this show. For this, I mean, at least for my sake, I'm sure it's the same for a lot of other people. It's basically do whatever you want, as <laughs> long as you're productive and putting stuff out there, then good job. You know I what I mean? It. I love it. Yeah. And then kind of going off of that, what is, what do you think is the biggest misunderstanding of the company portrayed by the media right now? No, of course. And I guess the elephant in the room is <laughs> you talked about earlier with Dave, some people dislike him and the company and some people are loyal stoolies, which are the fans of Barstool since right. the two, early two thousands. Um, but I think there, there really is a lot of positives going on right now. We talked about the Barstool fund so if I guess that's kind of how the business works, that's reason number one of why I don't curse on the air <laughs> for part of my take, because you can do 99 things the right way. But if you drop an F-bomb once, yep. your career is over. You saw what happened with Tom Brenneman and the Reds. Um, so I think for people who don't like Barstool, if Dave does 99 good things, but does one thing that rub people the wrong way, that's what they will focus on. Exactly. Um, unfortunately. And that's just, I guess, how things are right now. So you just have to be extra careful, but I don't know. People are, of course, they're allowed to think and do whatever they want. I'd say you guys are doing a pretty freaking good job and I won't drop an F-bomb, but you <laughs> yeah. Um, so another podcast you're part of is the brand new Barstool college basketball podcast, Barstool Benchmob. Uh, as you guys put it, when two hardcore gamblers and college hoops lovers join forces with a big J, uh, nobody knows exactly the direction the show will take. And I would be uh, doing my alma mater a disservice if we didn't talk about your first guest, Coach Ed Cooley of Providence College. What was it like uh, interviewing Coach Cooley for you? It was awesome. And again, he was gracious to come on our show. Uh, he had been on part of my take previously. Yeah. So we knew that he had previous barstool ties and we didn't have to worry about the things we just talked about, about maybe him not liking barstool or things like that because he He's been on with part of my take. He had a good time with Big Cat and PFT. I believe that interview was actually in person at the 2018 Final Four. So he had met them in person. Mm -hmm. um, one of our social guys, his name's Owen, he actually went to Providence. Oh, okay. Uh, so he was the one who actually set that up. He emailed, I believe, Providence's SID. He said, I'm yep. a fellow Friar alum or whatever. We'd love to have Coach Cooley on this podcast we're starting. And Coach Cooley was awesome. Uh, of course, it was a virtual uh, interview, but he did say one thing. He said, when COVID's over, 
he's having us up for a game, taking us to dinner. Yeah. That uh, when when you're rolling with the big dog, you're in good hands. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that in this post-COVID world, going off to the Dunkin' Donuts Center and going to a Big East game. That was my that was an all time quote because it's so true. That guy is the mayor of Friartown. Yeah. Like I mean, he's the mayor, he's the mayor of Providence. But uh like yeah, to your point, he was on part of my take right after the whole the like it wasn't right after because I think it happened in the biggest tournament, but it was when he ripped his pants yep. and he had the yep. power eight time. Like and I was a junior at the time and like I was we I the the Providence scene was like I think we just made it like who cares if we go win a national championship like we're on part of my take like <laughs> it was great and like I, I I I can't say enough good things about Coach Cooley he's a he's an he's a one of a kind and uh, yeah like when you guys do go out to Providence believe me the food is just as great as it's advertised <laughs> and you will have a great time at the Dunkin' Donuts Center yeah I'm excited also one story he told Marty brought it up is that if he sees people around campus wearing other team gear. He pulls him aside, tells him to take it off, and gives him fryer gear. Is that true? I can confirm that one thousand percent. That is true as day. Like I, I'll never forget. I was in. It's our like little like. It's on our dining hall. It's our food court called Alumni. Okay. And this kid was wearing an Ohio State sweatshirt. Now, like Cooley's, I think Cooley's daughter goes to Georgetown. Yes, he did I'm, say it was some yeah. some Big East school. Yeah. Yeah, and like you know, because we're a regional New England Catholic college. Sure, like your senior year of high school, you maybe have gotten like. Fairfield hoodies or whatever but like this one was big because it was like why Ohio State so coach Cooley's having lunch with the rest of his coaching staff and he stops whatever they're talking about gets up the kids on the phone with uh, I don't know who but he's on the phone with his friend whatever coach Cooley sits down at his table waits till he gets off the phone and then goes are you ready to go over to the bookstore I'm gonna go ahead and buy you a sweatshirt because that thing's garbage no <laughs> like no disrespect to Ohio State like he like I you know but like he was like why are you wearing that here <laughs> that's so funny it's it's wild and uh you know he was there was the rec- uh, he was possibly going to be the Michigan head coach a couple of years ago like mm-hmm. I always said that was the best uh 24 hours for recruiting for Providence but Never, never once will anyone be wearing Michigan gear on a, on a Providence College's campus. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Uh, do you guys have like a, a, a like a dream guest for the show? I mean, mine would be Coach Cooley, but <laughs> um, we've been very fortunate. You know, we've had the best player in Luca Garza. We've had yep. a handful of coaches: Bob Huggins, West Virginia; uh, Steve Peichel from Rutgers, of course; Ed Cooley. Um, I guess because Rico and Marty, who are my co-hosts for that show. They're big Duke fans. Coach K would be crazy, obviously, because he's one of the most biggest names in all of sports. Right. Um, so that would be pretty cool. Uh, but we're, we're lucky. I mean, hopefully yeah. next season when we can take the show on the road and actually go to games, we can develop other uh, other relationships. But it's hard to complain on that end. Do you think, uh, kind of to go back to part of my take, do you think Big Cat and PFT have a dream guest for the show? You know, they've also been very lucky. I know they've yeah. always been trying to get Tom Brady and Kevin Durant. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about LeBron. They always talk crap about LeBron. Uh, Aaron Rodgers on his Instagram live with Dave last week, he said he's got to come on part of my take. So we're holding him to that. Um, I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's what that's been fun. I love that. And uh, I mean, like Big Cat's the corp with, with A-Rod. I mean, right. like, talk about some all-time interviews and some like just giant guests, dreams of guests. But yeah, it, like it, it's, I always get impressed by the guests that come on part of my take. It's awesome. <laughs> For sure. It's, it's, so, it's crazy. So let's talk some college basketball here. Uh, I guess I have to ask you, do you see the Friars making it out of the Big East and dancing in March? It's tough. I think, let me pull up their uh, sheet on Kempom right now. Kempom is this basically nerd college basketball thing I use. I think college. they're playing right now as we're recording this episode. They're playing Creighton right now. Oh, are they? Yeah, they play Creighton Wednesday. Uh, right now, seven and six isn't so hot. Lost right. three in a row. But in the Big East, you have these opportunities to build your resume. So I guess they do control their own destiny right now because Creighton, Villanova, Marquette, Georgetown, Seton Hall, St. John's, UConn, Xavier, they're all in that on that schedule so if you can go above 500 who knows yeah they had a couple of opportunities in the non-conference they went to the maui which was in north carolina which was weird but yeah they uh (laughs) they lost to indiana and alabama so i don't know i mean coach cooley's got to go on a winning streak i would say but 
if the turn if the season were in today, unfortunately, I don't think they would be in. I I'd, I'd agree with you out there, and this is the point in the year, and and Kaylee Griffin said it too. This is the point where we all go, we're the worst team in the in the league. We're like the worst. Uh, I, I think no, but it's just, it's just St. John's down. Well, there. no, no, I'm talking about like the NCAA. Like this is where the Providence fans their expectations are set so high because we have Coach Cooley. We've been dancing before. We always yeah. go to the tournament. When we're at seven and six, we're like, this is this is this is like rock bottom. <laughs> And then we will go on a, that inevitable winning streak to, to finish up conference play. Like you were saying, like UVM had literally the championship game lined up and then the season got canceled. Like we beat five, five ranked teams back to back to back to back. Wow. Like we, there was no, like, I mean, I'm a little biased, but there was no hotter team in the NCAA than Providence College that yeah. year. I'll tell you and this. Then- <laughs> when I got to Syracuse, it was their second year in the ACC. I was kind of bummed they didn't get to play in the Big East because I know – the, the, leaving school early and going to see those Big East tournaments during the day. Of course, Syracuse, UConn, Providence was involved. That, that was awesome. So the Big East basketball is just incredible. Unlike anything else, as Coach Lou would say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully, I don't know if things will be better in two months or so, but maybe they allow some fans, or at least we can get media passes. Our office is right near MSG to go to right. the Big East tournament. I'm not counting on it, but who knows? Right, right. So this leads me into some other college basketball takes I'd love to hear from you. So we're recording this on January 20th, and for the first time since December 18th, 19, or, yeah, 1961, Duke, Kentucky, and University of North Carolina are not in the top 25. Now, I'm sure you predicted that. I'm sure, I'm sure you did that coming right away. But yeah. what has been the biggest shock for you as this year gets rolling? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, that, of course, is one of the more shocking things. Right. Um, I think Gonzaga has really shut up every single hater out there. Because Gonzaga, of course, has aspirations to win the national championship every year. Sure. They have made a deep run in the tournament every few years they made the championship in 2017 but the fact that they are still undefeated after their non-conference schedule they beat kansas auburn west virginia iowa and virginia all in the non-conference all in a month span that's incredible now of course their wcc which is their conference isn't as hot as those teams uh the fact that they can stay undefeated in a COVID year where there's pauses and you have to get tested three times a week and the travel is crazy and there's no fans. The fact that a small school like that is really living up to the hype and winning every single game, not even winning, blowing out every single game. I think their closest win is it's, it's in double figures. I think it's 11 against Iowa. Mm. It's incredible. And it's really hard to see them losing a game. Of course, anything can happen in March, but I'd say if it were them, or the field, it's hard to pick against them right now. I always say wait till March. I do. I love Gonzaga just as anyone else does because I went to the small Catholic school. But there's something about them that it happens in March after, a, like I will say, a, a softer conference play right. than the rest of the league. It, you know, who knows? I think it might have a say about their their uh, March performance. But I do think they are very unstoppable right now. So it should be interesting. Uh, do you see the Catamounts dancing in March? I optimistically do. Of course, the America East, it's not like the Big East. You don't have the luxury of losing your conference tournament. You have to win it. Yeah, That's how it works. Uh, they still haven't announced details on how that's going to work this year because of COVID. Um, but Vermont, I believe, is a game out of first right now. They actually canceled the entirety of non-conference play. So they had a late, slow start, but mm-hmm. they won five in a row. They're seven and three right now. And if they get in, I keep telling people this, they can make noise. They would have made noise last year. I know it tournament got canceled they would have been a 12 or a 13 seed um so I'm, I'm rooting for them of course and we and we have to mention Syracuse will your alma mater be dancing in March that's a tough one right now Joel already has them in the next four out with Duke I will include so he has the both <laughs> out right now but Syracuse is on the bubble every single year right if they get in they've proven they can go on a run I was lucky to call a sweet 16 run my senior year they made the final four when I was a sophomore both as double digit seeds so We'll see. We'll see. Do you, uh, before we get to your final four prediction, do you have a dream college venue to call a play-by-play game? I've been lucky to do Allen Fieldhouse at Kansas. Yep. That was actually my first ever road trip at Vermont. Oh, geez. It was a two-game road trip at Boston University and then Kansas. So <laughs> that was crazy with Louisville too that later that week. But uh, calling a game at, on Coach K Court, 
a Cameron Indoor would be very, very cool. I've been there, right, but not for a Duke basketball game. I've, uh, I was calling a Syracuse NC State football game the next day, and Raleigh is close to Durham, and we just walked to Duke Sam, just walked in Coach K court. It wasn't basketball it. season, but it was really cool. <laughs> I love it. So let's get back. Let's get back to your your Final Four prediction. Do you have a Final Four uh, picked out just yet? Um, I'm gonna make you pick it, so you have I, to. <laughs> I could tell you the four best teams. I think once we get to the bracket, it's easier to pick because you see sure. the routes and the paths yeah. people have to take. But the four best teams right now are definitely Gonzaga because they're undefeated. Baylor's undefeated. Um, Iowa and Michigan are the best four, four best teams right now. Uh, Villanova yesterday was their first game in 27 days. Yep. So people have forgotten about them. I guess when you see them, oh, I, 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 I never, I never remember them. No. <laughs> yeah. You're a big East, big East guy. So you probably don't like them too much. Uh, and I, I've said on our podcast, don't count on Virginia. They're technically still the defending champs. Of course they have, uh, a whole new personnel, but Tony Bennett, they're a really good team. The ACC is a little bit down this year, so they can rack up all these wins and make a, make a move. Okay. And uh, do, you have a, do you have a champion? Who's cutting down the nets? I can't see Gonzaga losing. I really do think there's a chance they go undefeated. Oh, man. I'm holding you to that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I easily could be wrong, but they have blown out all these very good teams. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I think it's going to be super, and I think we're also taking for granted the dynamic that's going to take place in March with the bubble of Indiana, Indiana, and no yep. fans and all that. So, like, I mean that. I mean, we saw it in the NFL: more road teams won uh, in the regular season than home teams, like for the first time in, in God knows how long. So, like, I, I do think there's a lot of um, things you can't predict in this this well, a in this world period. Every like, every every tournament. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, you've been on one wild and certainly uh, just the beginning of your journey, but what is like the piece of advice um, that you've, like, I guess we've talking about it, like just saying no, but like, what's one piece of advice that has stuck with you throughout this entire journey, whether it was from the team at Barstool or your team at Syracuse, like what has been something that stuck with you throughout your broadcasting journey? It would be that hard work actually does pay off. I know it's a quirky saying, but it really is true because my dad tells me the harder you work, the luckier you get. And that's true because hard work, it can get you very far. Of course, some luck needs to be involved, but you do for sports analogy, you really, <laughs> you really in a way, not completely, but you do control your own destiny when it comes to being successful at whatever you want to do, whether it's in broadcasting sports or anything, um, because if you work hard at one point, somebody is going to notice and that somebody could be the one to give you your big break and get you to the next level. Um, so, I mean, working hard, it, it's a very important value. And of course it's it, the, the best people in every business they're hard workers. Of right. course, some people might have a lucky break. But again, I, I can't underemphasize how important that is. Yeah. And I think it's something like that people take for granted. I, I think, you, you know, you're thinking, you know, you could be thinking you're the hardest worker on the team, in the office, what have you. There's always someone that's out there doing more than you. So yeah. I think putting your head down and, and making sure that that's not the case is super important. And like, obviously work-life balance is important, but if you want to get to where you want to go, you got, you know, you have to make the time to do that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you, what would you say is next for you? I know, I know the, the road is kind of unknown right now, but you know, and, and you've got a, a great foundation with Barstool Sports, but what would you say is next for Jake Marsh? No, for sure. And back to my long-term goals again, I would love to get back into the conventional sports play-by-play once COVID's over and there's more opportunities around New York, maybe on nights and weekends or whatever, just to stay loose on that end. Right. Um, but again, I love working for Barstool and intend on being here for the future. We'll, we'll see what happens, but um, getting back onto the headset for football, basketball, any sport, just to stay loose and get those reps. Like we talked about earlier uh, would, would be great. Do you, would you, would you rather, I guess we'll play a quick, would you rather, would you rather call a final four or the Super Bowl? College basketball is my favorite sport, but the Super Bowl is a phenomenon. 
The Final Four is a sporting event. The Super Bowl, everybody in the world watches. Not everybody watches the Final Four. So I'd say the Super Bowl is more prestigious, even though I like college basketball better. That's, I guess that's kind of a uh, – I got my way out of it. But Yeah, but no, I'll give, it, I'll give it to you. And then what's yeah. like the, the non-traditional sport that you, you wouldn't mind calling and like might have some fun with it, whether it be swimming – badminton deal like anything at the olympics for that matter <laughs> i actually love to call tennis i grew up playing tennis we mentioned i call ping pong for stool streams yeah but i'm a big tennis fan um i did actually some college tennis broadcasting for syracuse uh that was a lot of fun and knowing being it, it helps me be more confident because i know all the terms right. i have firsthand playing experience where all these other sports i never played football or basketball really at a high competitive level when tennis is, is a lot of fun I love that. I love it. Awesome. Well, we do have one final question for you. We asked this for all of our guests and we've talked about the early career that you've had, but there's still a long road to go. If you were to write your autobiography today, what would be the title of it and why? I said it earlier, never say no, <laughs> because that's what's gotten me here to me here today. Big Cat and PFT, they, they asked me to make fun or rival Ravel. And it's opened this unbelievable door. I went from tweeting about random stats and eating weird food to now doing what I love, which is play-by-play broadcasting. And I'm on their podcast, which is incredible. I can't thank them enough. And without me hesitating and saying no to something or having the opportunity to, I truly would not be in this position. So I'm very grateful for that. I love it. And we definitely have to bring back Jake 8. That's going to take a lot. I don't know. <laughs> for you or for, think, for Barstool? For, for me. You, okay. <laughs> because I, I tried to act like I liked what I was eating on camera, but some oh, of that you stuff sold it gross. so good. Because, yeah. like, I was, I was watching some of those and I'm like, oh my God, I could not eat that right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe I'll make a cameo one day. Who knows? I love it. I love it. Well, thank you again, Jake. I wish you all the best and uh, hopefully you can get some sleep here before, uh, before college basketball gets too crazy. Of course. Thank you for having me, Jared. And uh, I look forward to staying in touch. Yeah. So a big thank you to Jake Marsh for coming on this week's show of the podcast, talking all things college hoops, getting to learn a little bit more about the ins and outs of Barstool, at least from a content creator side at this media giant seeing kind of what their day-to-day is like was very interesting and um, obviously some great things are being done over there at Barstool with the Barstool Fun Um, but it was really great to catch up on some college hoops as it stands right now we obviously recorded this in uh, in early January but hopefully the Friars can do some dancing here in the Big East tournament and uh, we can see those guys dancing in March I'm a little biased but hey you can't blame me so that does it for this week's episode. Be sure to go check out Jake on Instagram and Twitter. Links to his Twitter are in the description of this week's podcast. Be sure to go check out the infamous part of my take if you have not already. And be sure to check out his new podcast, uh, Barstool Bench Mob. Again, links to all things Jake Marsh are in the description of this week's podcast. If you want to see some videos from this week's episode, be sure to go follow us on Instagram at normalguylazyeye for some bonus content as well. But that's enough for my shameless plugs. I will see you all next week.